The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Josh McDowell explains how understanding God's character helps us make good choices. If by the first time your child sees pornography, you have not built into them a certain concept of God's beautiful reason for sexuality, then when they see that porn the first time, they cannot detect a counterfeit from the original. And the majority of Christian young people to this day believe porn is God's approach to sex. Amazing. James Robertson here. Welcome you to Life Today. Our son Randy's here. Betty was unable to be here tonight. She's not ill. She just had another uh, assignment that was important for her. And uh, we did have another great grandbaby. That wasn't the assignment, though, particularly there. But thank you for always caring. Uh, it really means a lot. The people were really excited. They're, they're clapping. I wanted to say maybe it's because of our, our guest, Joshua McDowell, is... You know, he wrote evidence that demands a verdict, and man, it was back when he and I were both kids. You know, we're still pretty young, but back when we were kids, these things are happening, and, and it the was The Dead Sea was only sick. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Now, uh, here's the, you see there, that, that's one reason they're clapping, but I gotta tell you the real reason they're clapping, is, is they had seen his shoes. So welcome Josh McDowell, here is Josh. Let's welcome Josh. But let, let's get a let's get a close up of the shoes. I, I want you to see the, I want you to see the man's shoes. Can, can we show you the shoes? Is it possible? To, there they are. How do you like those shoes? All right, all right, Josh. Where'd you get the shoes? They were a gift from the Colombian uh, soccer team, football team in South America. So is something going on down there besides drugs? Well, I had a chance to speak to the team. It didn't work because they lost. But uh, <laughs> they gave you. The, did they take them back? <laughs> it was better than an honorarium. But it's it, beautiful. They really are. By the way, you look sharp. And here's a book, and I really want you to kind of just look at the title, Set Free to Choose Right. And I think that's more than an implication or an inference. I think it's an absolute fact. I think people are unable to choose right because they're not free. They, they don't even think free. It's like, like there's a grip. And it's, it's almost like they're being held captive in their thoughts rather than taking thoughts captive. Thoughts are taking them captive. So there's a freedom there. But you're talking about choosing right, and you talk about equipping kids to make the right moral decisions. I have an idea that you touch on very important, very serious topics. So I'd just like you to cut to the chase because my prayer is that every parent and every concerned person, probably every pastor, because I know what you're talking about and I know the things you address, they need to be addressed effectively and wisely. And I think most parents and even church leaders, they don't know how to address them. So just take off and address some of the things that you really want us to be able to be set free to make Well, what choices. you're referring to is the storyline I have going through the book of a family with uh, children who've become addicted to pornography. And uh, through the book, I use them as a storyline to how to help even a child like that to make right moral choices. So there's choices. several children involved in that? Yes. Okay. And, um, but pornography, I wish you never even had to mention day, is the greatest threat 
the greatest devastation of the cause of Christ in the history of the church. In now, let all, me say up front, I believe that. I totally believe that. You and Chuck Swindoll set the pace on that. Chuck said it's the greatest cancer in the history of the church. And about seven years ago, I realized as an apologist setting forth truth to believe that I was seeing something in youth culture and kids' conversations and all I couldn't put together. Usually I can pinpoint a, a problem and pinpoint the answer. It took me a whole year. And when I called home to Dottie, I said, honey, I found out what it is. She said, what? I said, it's pervasive internet pornography. Now what I saw here, when a person starts watching pornography and after just minutes or so, they become compulsive usually, is that their authority in the scriptures, the Bible, in Christ, in their pastor, in their church, and their parents starts to erode. And that's what I was catching in their attitudes and all. And I traced it back to pornography. And uh, the problem is there's such an ignorance, ignorance in the body of Christ among parents. I can almost never, ever, ever meet any Christian leader, parent, or anything that's even one thousandth, one thousandth informed on pornography. And the majority like of them—they've never been exposed to any of it, or what? Or yeah, it's a but they think level. they're the only one. They didn't get it, and it's no problem. And uh, but today it's a massive problem. I'll tell you, any problem. You get up in the church, any evangelical church. Look out over the church. I paid a quarter of a million dollars to be able to say this. Look out over the church. Seventy some percent of all the young men between eighteen thirty-four actively seek out pornography on the internet. Fifty-six percent of the women. Now, just repeat those stats again. From 18 to 34 years old, in any evangelical church, 70-some percent, comes up to about 77, 78% of all the men, 56% of the women, actively seek out pornography on the Internet. It just didn't slip by mm -hmm. on that. And Can I ask you this question? And I'll put it this way. Let me put you that. Even Dr. Ted Roberts say that 55 to 58% of all evangelical fundamental born-again Christian pastors are addicted to pornography. Okay, boy, this, this, this leads to heavy stuff. And here, here's the, the question I simply want to ask you. God says flee sexual immorality, fornication. Every sin, but that is not against the body, that's against the body. When we move in that area, there is there a damage inflicted upon our basic being? Yes. Within one half second, now it takes drugs about six minutes, alcohol about 13 minutes to reach the brain. With pornography, a half second. Within a half second starts a process that within six minutes, your brain is physically, biologically changed. Different than drugs, it's far harder to beat pornography than heroin, cocaine, alcohol, because of what it does to the brain. And I'll say to any pastor, I don't care how much you know the Word of God, I don't care how many solutions you know for people's problems, if you do not understand the human brain, then please don't tell me you have a biblical answer for pornography, because you don't. Before it's even a sin problem, it's a biological brain problem. And that's what people don't realize. But look at this, 38% of men that start watching pornography lose their job or their profession or their business. Wow. 60 some percent end in divorce. Wow. That's how powerful it is. And so is it ripping people apart because something has held them in well, with such a grip? it develops a deep shame, first of all. A very deep, no shame by, is By how the way, do we add to that shame unknowingly in the church? Oh, heaven, yes. Do we make people who are trapped by something that might be evil believe they are evil? 
you know, that not shame. Yeah, you, you, it's, it is you. You you are bad. You didn't just do bad. You're bad. We look at shame is how we look at ourselves. Guilt is because of our actions. Mm-hmm. We become guilty. We think, you know, it's shame. And the problem is when you start watching pornography. Say if you're a believer, and over half do of believers, evangelicals, they start watching it. They'll start developing a shame, but it is so powerful. They don't. They can't walk away from it, mm-hmm. and, they, and, and they don't the talk shame, about it. Do they? they? Don't bring it up, do they? No. And the shame starts to affect their intimacy and relationship with her. You start to withdraw. That's one of the biggest problems. And in the church, I tell pastors, you cannot counsel. Or I'll put it this way: overwhelming majority of pastors. Boy, this is dangerous. Say this in your show. <laughs> or majority of pastors and Christian leaders that counsel people on pornography are normally doing more damage than good. How do they do the damage? Please help. Because they take the typical, and for many it is a good biblical crime. You just need to make the decision. You're not going to watch anymore. The will. Second, read God's word. Third, trust Jesus. And he'll take care of it. No you could lead to suicide. Why? The key to porn is realizing porn is not the problem. Porn is a symptom of a deeper root problem. Loneliness, anguish, fear, boredom. There's trigger points, up to 19 to 20 trigger points that has been developed in your life through the years through being wounded. Every person I've ever met in life has been wounded. You've been wounded, you've been wounded, I've been wounded. Everyone here has been wounded. And when you deal with just the surface level pornography, stop it, and they'll say, see, he got freedom, he's got victory over it. Two months later, they'll be deeper into pornography than ever dreamed. Why? Because they didn't deal with the deeper root problem. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, when you deal with the surface problem, not the root problem, and then the person say, oh, I'm free, the pastor said I'm free, and then boom, it'll come back. It will come back. Then you lose hope. But here's the key. From six to 13 years of age, I was homosexually raped every week for seven years, sometimes two or three, two or three times a week. I was forced for seven years every single day to look at homosexual pornography. It's right up here. After I came to Jesus, second year in university, the greatest truth I ever learned is when I realized I need more than Jesus. If I stick with Jesus, I'm going to fail. I think one of the greatest sins preached today, and I hear it all the time, it's in Christian music. All you need is Jesus. That's evil. That is not biblical. You, you almost sound like you're getting heretical yourself. Yeah. Anybody that questions that, they're the heretical one. Why? Just read your Bible for heaven's sakes. You know, I say to people, don't just read it, study it. When it comes to my salvation, James, all I need is Jesus. I don't need Jesus plus works, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus communion, whatever. All I need, but James, almost everything after my salvation, I need more than Jesus. I need the church. I need 
the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. About 50 times in the New Testament, mark it out, one another. That's not you and Jesus. That's you and a brother or a sister in Christ. Love one another, comfort one another, encourage one Galatians, bear one another's burdens. James 5, confess your sins to one another. When we confess our sins to God, what does the Bible promise? Forgiveness. We confess our sins one to another. What does God Healing. promise? Healing. Yeah. yeah and when I, every time a pastor says, all you need is Jesus, are cutting people off from one of the greatest sources of healing, the body of Christ. I wouldn't be here without Dick I Day, wouldn't Jim either. Simpson. That's what I'm wanting to shout. I wouldn't be done, here without the body of done Christ. Done without family that loved like Jesus, that didn't shame me, that lifted me up into the presence of One His of the grace. First that's what we need. Towards healing, realizing you can't go it alone. I don't care if you're triple personality A. Don't go it alone. You won't make it. Boy, it's so powerful. God, and, please help people to hear this. And then second, you've got to incorporate in the person the exciting biblical-based concept of sexuality. Hmm. Because, it's especially with a child. Gift. It's a beautiful gift. See, with most children, most Christian kids, their parents haven't talked to them about sex. Haven't, I think you have to start at five and build into them a certain concept of biblical sexuality. Why? Because the first time they see porn, and your child, your grandchildren are going to see porn. These people that say, oh, I can protect my child. No, you can't. I don't care if you homeschool them, you pray over them, you have family to You cannot protect your child. They will see pornography. And the key is, have you prepared them for the first time they see it? Because it's not if they're going to see it, it's when. And when they see it that first time, there needs to be two things incorporated. One, that mother and dad has to have created the most incredible, loving, intimate, secure home where that child feels free to talk to mommy yes. and daddy about any, I mean, anything without shame, Absolutely. without God judgment, but James, without starting to quote the Bible. Some Christians can't open their mouth without saying, well, don't you know God says this, the Bible says, that's one of the fastest ways to lose your child. And doesn't it add more shame to them for some That's reason. right. You listen to them, and then you bring in the truth of God's Word. And so the first thing you need to do is build that relationship. Second, by, I would say, five at the maximum, eight, because the average age for a child seeing it is eight years old worldwide. If by the first time your child sees pornography, you have not built into them a certain concept of God's beautiful reason for sexuality, then when they see that porn the first time, they cannot detect a counterfeit from the original. And the majority of Christian young people to this day believe porn is God's approach to sex. Wow. And it comes back to mom and dad. And then God's grace. God's grace. You've written a, a book, not only dealing with this, but in depth, many other challenges. Not a way in the world. Name two or three of them. We don't have time to go into it, but name a couple of the other areas other than this that you try to deal well, with. Well, how do you help your child to make consistent right choices? For example, among young people, Christian young people, 56 or 57% will say not recycling is immoral. Only 32% will say watching pornography is immoral. Mm -hmm. Wow. How do you teach your children right from wrong? For example, I'll be in any meeting, pastors' meetings, leaders, parents, whatever, and I say, do you believe lying is wrong? Everyone says, yes. I'll say, why? 90% will always say, because the Bible says so. And I go, oh my gosh. No wonder we're losing our kids. That is wrong. And absolutely nothing is morally right or wrong because the Bible says thou shalt not. And yet almost every Christian parent teaches that and it's preached from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. That is wrong. That's unbiblical. 
The Bible is not legalistic, but the way it's so often taught, mm -hmm. it becomes legalistic the mm -hmm. way we teach it. And this book here is saying, I want to bring you back to the person, character, and nature of God. And one of the principles there is four steps we use with our kids. One, consider the choice. Okay, I can do this or I can do that. This could be the implication. Second, compare it to God. Consider the choice, compare it to God. Third, and this is a tough one, commit to God's way. And then third, count on his blessing to protect and provide. And in the book, I walk parents through how they can teach this to their children and how you can literally show your children that literally following God's character is your way of right from wrong. You enjoy life more. It's better for you, everything, because God is able to protect you and provide for you. We need to take and show our kids that when it says, thou shall not, and this is what I help parents in there, illustration after illustration, how to show what appears to be negative here is actually positive. I mean, you take where it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee sexual immorality. Almost every Christian don't everything says that's so negative. Look at there. God doesn't want you to enjoy yourself. No. He says, for it's the one sin you commit against your body. Mm -hmm. In 1960, one out of 63 teenagers were infected with sexually transmitted disease. In 1970, one out of 57. 1940, about one out of 32. Uh, 30 years ago, it was about one out of 20-some. You know what it is today? One out of two. 50%. Hmm. And God says, I love you. I don't want to take the fun out of the life. I want to protect you from the one sin that literally affects your body. Wow. Wow. And I document all of this in there and show parents chapter on how to do this in this area and that area with pornography, everything. See, God is truth. There's a principle out of that. Honesty. There's a precept out of that. Thou shalt not lie. Yeah. Behind every precept is a principle. Behind every principle is a person, character, and nature of God. You need to be here about a week. Mm -hmm. Let me say to all of you who are watching, and please listen to me. I beg you to get the book. If you don't know that you have a need for it, you know people that have a desperate need for it. If you have grandchildren, now we're having great grandchildren. I'm going to tell you something. I happen to know things were said to our grandchildren that were revolutionary in a positive way. In a positive way. And they're as natural and normal as anybody's ever been made in the image of God. With the very desires and appetites God puts in. And I'm telling you, I'm watching miracles. You and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the miracle of grace because we'd been destroyed. Our lives were set up for total destruction. We got a mighty God. It's got two guys here that are excited about the greatness of God's grace. Again, would you say thanks to God and thanks to Josh for being so honest. Get the book in the bookstores. Get it. Share it. Let God direct you as you offer grace and help. Josh, come back soon. Let me say this to you. Now, don't, 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 don't leave me right here. This is the last week in this emphasis where I'm coming to you. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. We're coming to you asking you right now to just reach out in love and notice the unnoticed, the too often overlooked. God does not overlook them, but he sees them through eyes that have hands and hearts and minds to express his heart, his mind, and extend his hands. That's what we're going to get to do right now. And I'm going to tell you something. With all my heart, I believe you're going to want to do it. Watch. It really just breaks my heart how the children in this village know what it means to have an empty bowl. 
Because empty bowls mean empty stomachs. And empty stomachs mean going to bed night after night, suffering from the pain of hunger, starvation, malnutrition, and ultimately death. The graves are full, full of children, precious little lives, children who have a name, children who mean so much to their family, children whose lives are stolen simply because they didn't have enough food. We can change that. We can end that pain. We can end the suffering of children going to bed at night with the pain of hunger. We can end the cycle of death of mother burying child because she wasn't able to give them enough food. It's so easy to change it. Please give the gift of life to these children and fill their empty bowls. I can't tell you how much I want us to pick those little children up. And maybe you didn't notice, uh, he had just kind of an ordinary bowl, but right beside him there was a big tub full of bowls like this. You know where they came from? Somebody like you kept watching these little children with their old tin cans, rusty cans, plastic bags, whatever they could bring to get something to eat. And the soup has to be hot because we're dealing with water that's not always the purest, and it has to be boiled. And it would burn their little fingers. Sometimes people watched them drop their little bowls or their little can, and they'd fall down in the ground and start eating it right off the dirt. And our viewers said, let's give them heat-resistant bowls. There was a whole tub of those. Love paid for that. But love did something even more important than that. It filled the bowls with a manifestation of love. It filled them with food that was nourishing, literally established with a scientific biological overview of the very nutrition, nutritional needs in that particular area, what's lacking. That's what love does. Right now in the last week of this emphasis, where a couple of times a year we come and ask you to give food for the next months with a single gift. This is the last week for this emphasis. That means for the next months, these children that have been impacted with a horrible drought, one of the worst in the last several decades, really need our help. 400,000 of them organized. The missionaries have located them. They've said, you come here. And in many instances, they got something to start with. But now they're waiting to know they can continue the feeding and those lines will get longer. So as Betty prayed continually in our mission outreach, God let the lines to feed them always be longer than those who need to be fed. All right, that's what we need right now. This last week, we need a mighty outpouring of God's love, and we need it expressed in action. See, not just in word, but in deed. So would you right now go online, 
Or would you dial that number that's a prayer line for you if you have a broken heart or a need? And it's paid for by love. But would you right now in love, would you take your bank card, go online, call the number, take that card and use it like a check. But I'm asking you to make the largest gift you possibly can. Now remember this. This is what I'm saying. 30 50 or or $100, I'm not exaggerating. 30 50 or 100 feeds three, five, or 10 children for the next several months. You hear what I said? What you do right now. $1,000 will feed 100. I'm praying for many people today who can. I'm sending $1,000. I'm going to feed 100 kids. But if you can feed three, don't consider that small. It's huge to the mothers you just saw, to those children. It's life. 30, 50, 100, whatever you can do. We've got some gifts to send you that will help you really understand and grasp God's wisdom even more clearly. We'll send it to say thanks. Please, if you write a check, make the life, but call us. Call us. Tell us you're putting the check in the mail. The missionaries need to know. Thank you right now for making that gift. Thank you for doing it now. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. With your support, Life's Mission Feeding Outreach can save lives by feeding and caring for children in the hardest-hit areas of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. And with your gift of any amount, we'll send you Proverbs Power, Successful Communication. This powerful CD series, along with study guide featuring Stephen K. Scott, unveils the secrets to incredible wisdom found only in the book of Proverbs. This series will give you the tools to transform your relationships in life. With your gift of $100 or more, request the complete Proverbs Power Library, featuring five power-packed sessions that include the power of vision, breaking through mediocrity, and much more. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. And I want to say thank you, Randy and I together say thank you. You didn't get to hear from Randy, you didn't get to hear a lot from me. Didn't need to. No, we had a total flow. I don't, I don't just think from Josh McDowell. I think we had a flow from the heart of God. I think we heard some of the greatest wisdom the world will ever hear. Yeah. Th this was not misrepresentation. I want you to get the book. If you give any food to these kids and say, could you send me that book, please? You better believe it. We'll send it to you to say thank you, along with the other gifts. We want to pour gifts that bless you all over you. This could change and save a marriage, a family, a child's life. If our lives, with all we went through as kids, could be spared by grace, anybody's can be. I love you, buddy. I want you to come back soon. Would you say thanks to Josh McCall? <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Tell your friends about the book in the bookstores, all right? Encourage them to get it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for helping.
next week on Life Today. Join Dr. Don Felbert and Pastor Robert Morris as they discuss healing for your body, His temple. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.